A chorus of living wood sings to the woman. If her mind were only a slightly greener thing, we'd drown you in meaning. The pine she leans against says, listen, there's something you need to hear. That's from the overstory by Richard Powers and is the theme of our podcast today called Large Living Trees. Welcome to STEM Punks. Welcome to STEM Punks. STEM Punks is a bi-monthly podcast intended to bring science, technology, engineering, straight to your ears from our STEM Punk studio. Hang on, we'll take you for a ride that includes a whole lot of fun and a little bit of education on the side. Stay tuned. Nice to be in orbit. Welcome to Stempunks. Hi, my name is Bill Weiler, and I'll be your host today. And I'm joined by my pal, Joe Garut. Hi, Joe. Hold on now, Bill. I love you, man, but I think I'll stay in the big chair for this one. But Joe, the chairs you are currently occupying are 99.67% identical. Yes, it's a figure of speech, Stembot. In rhetoric, a figure of speech is a type of figurative language, such as metaphor, irony, understatement, and anaphora, that departs from conventional word order or meaning. <laughs> Indeed, Stembot. Thank you for spelling that out for us. But, Joe, I didn't spell anything. Computing. Ah, another figure of speech. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> yes, you are. That was good. Now, speaking of figurative language, I want to get back to our guest. This week, we've invited Bill on the show because of a blog he writes every... Once in a while. Okay, all right. So, no set schedule on the blog, which kind of fits for someone in tune with nature like Bill is. His blog is called William Wyler Stewardship. And recently, Bill waxed poetic about large living trees, specifically how old-growth forests like the Gifford Pinchot right here in the Columbia River Gorge affect life. We asked him to come into the studio to read for us and to talk a bit more about a couple topics he brought up. Will you share a little bit of that with us, Bill? Thanks, Joe. I'd be happy to. Everything from an old-growth forest filters down. All food chains begin with the sun, photosynthesis, which is the largest chemical process on the entire planet. But the fun really begins when the carnivores start the process from the top. Sunlight is the engine that permeates every leaf and needle, and then for a special effect shines magically and ethereally through the canopy to the forest floor. Lichen, and I think you love this name, bladderwort in particular, <laughs> spiral to the ground during winter storms, providing mana from heaven for a myriad of hungry mammals. While the focus of growth is skyward, the next generation is eyeing the soil. Acorns plop, maple seeds, whirlybird, an innumerable wisp of seeds attaching to their own hot air balloons are the original wind surfers. Squirrels, jays, and a host of diggers will bury other natural gifts, and a new generation will be born. Everything about an old-growth forest is relationships. Nothing lives alone. I think one of the most interesting relationships takes place between two wildlife species, the fisher and the porcupine. The fisher is a large weasel that really depends upon old-growth forest and wasn't seen in Washington State for decades until two years ago, when Fisher were released at Mount Rainier National Park and right here at Gifford Pinchot 
National Forest. And since then, the fisher has uh, been found to, uh, to have kits, so they're breeding, and they've moved actually down into Escamania County, so it's really good news. Now, fish are one of the only species that can successfully attack and kill porcupines. Porcupines are well armored, as we all know, with quills throughout almost their entire body. But one place where there are no quills is the nose. Fishers have learned to attack the nose of porcupines, weaken them, and then at some point they turn them over where the stomach is revealed, and then they make their kill. Fisher's one of those rare forest carnivores that is actually uh, liked, revered by everyone because they feed on porcupines. Porcupines damage forests by eating the uh, cambium layer. So it's really cool that Fisher have returned and they're right here in the gorge. Can you just read a little bit more from your piece for us? Thank you. Almost all of the world's coniferous forests presently are young'un trees. That means they're, they're less than 15 inches in diameter. They grow side by side, thousands of even-aged living poles. But the wildlife habitat value offered by these stands is really minimal as diversity is limited. Yet in an old-growth forest, there are a million creatures in a handful of soil. Large animals require large trees for feeding, resting, nesting, and perching. The tree really has to grow high and wide before it brings meaning to the world. Another really important benefit of old-growth forest is what they do for us, called carbon sequestration. That's the process where carbon dioxide is captured from the atmosphere and stored for indefinite or long periods of time. Until recently, it was believed by many that only young forests sequestered atmospheric carbon in early growth and that old-growth forests were only sinks in which the carbon was stored. Recent studies, though, have proved that intact old-growth forests continue to take up carbon from the atmosphere, even past the point where they reach maturity. And by measuring growth rates, researchers have identified that carbon sequestration in trees increases continuously because the overall needle or leaf area also increases as they grow, enabling bigger trees to absorb even more carbon from the atmosphere. And that's good for the environment. Recently, fires in Brazilian rainforests have triggered global alarm. The combined rainforests on Earth create about 20% of global photosynthesis, but life in the ocean does too. I mean, about half of the oxygen on Earth. So it doesn't seem likely that we're going to run out of oxygen anytime because of these fires. No, it's not likely, Joe. At most, only about 5% of the world's oxygen comes from the Amazon. So. The loss of these trees is tragic, but it's not going to diminish global oxygen production by an appreciable amount. That's probably true, but the really bad news is that forests contain more than half of the world's land-based biodiversity. When we burn down forests, we lose many different kinds of creatures. The very animals and plants we're talking about earlier in the podcast, and some that we don't even know about that may provide future medicines for us. Boy, there's a great local example in the old uh, yew tree, Y-E-W, a reddish bark tree that was basically used for nothing, no timber value, no nothing, until somebody about 30 years ago did some chemical analysis and found there were chemical properties in the bark that could stem and defeat cancers in women. In addition, about 10 to 15% of our CO2 emissions come from deforestation. So not only is the forest not capturing carbon, a burning forest is sending that carbon up into the atmosphere. And that furthers one of our biggest global problems. Climate change. 
When man-made fires on such a grand scale go through a rich abundance of trees, they burn hot and completely devastate the area, don't they? Yes, it can happen that way. Oftentimes, though, a fire will provide opportunities for further life if nature is allowed to take its course here in the gorge. Two years ago, we had a fire that uh, changed a, a lot of things. A lot of people were affected. But it's amazing. I talked to the trail crew folks in the Forest Service, and they say in Eagle Creek alone, which was the eye of the fire, they never seen more plant life, more creatures. They've seen bear and bobcat in there. So indeed, fires can be very good for us. In normal forest life cycles, even after fires, large trees epitomize life after death. When they turn into snags or dead trees, the biological and chemical defenses are gone. And hordes of micro and macro creatures stream in. It's really hard to believe that there is much more life in a dead tree than a live one, but it's true. Again, if we look at the Eagle Creek area now here in the Columbia Gorge, only two years after a significant fire event, we can see massive regrowth and new life that needed a fire to thrive. Well, I'm grateful for both the live and the dead trees, but I have to confess, I prefer the live ones. Now, so do I, but I camped for the first time in a completely fire-impacted forest in the Metal Valley near Canada Memorial Day. And as we were walking around this lifeless place, we looked to the soil and found thousands of brand new morel mushrooms. Oh, wow. So that was pretty cool. That is cool. Now, visiting ancient forests is a quieting experience. We humans are small when we walk among the leviathans. While life abounds there, somehow everything is hushed in respect and wonder. Really encourage that everyone to spend time with these wondrous ants. That's a link to the hobbit ants. <laughs> Those wise woods have a lot to share, Joe. And that gives me more ideas for topics I want to talk about, but we'll save those for future episodes. Man, thank you, Bill, for joining us in the studio today. It was my pleasure. Trees, 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 trees. Where would we be without trees? Those beautiful leaves make me feel very pleased. Where would we be without trees? If you're wondering what to do with your time, just can't seem to make up your mind. Show the world that you care. Go plant trees everywhere. What this world really needs is more trees. Thank you, Bill. That was our mad scientist, Bill Weiler, local environmentalist and one of the best people I know. You can check out Bill's writing online at the link that we'll put in the show notes below. Stembot, will you take care of that for me, buddy? Okie dokie. Thank you very much. Now it's time once again to say goodbye, Stembot. Goodbye, Stembot. Thank you for listening to the Stempunks podcast. Many thanks to our sponsor, Cottywomple Creative. You can see their work at cottywomplecreative.com. That's C-O-D-D-I-W-O-M-P-L-E creative.com. And thanks to our patrons on Patreon. You can find information about this episode and more at stempunks.com. <laughs>